You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. In today's episode, which is being dropped on the 20th day of August, that's right, it's late August. We're down the stretch of a season that just began. Well, it's true. We're going to be talking a little bit about the grand week that the San Diego Padres have had, some of the tight races, and the fact that that the New York Yankees could be the best team in baseball, but one team certainly has their number. This shit is available on the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available wherever you get your podcasts. When you're staying at home during these trying times, make sure to tell your smart device to play podcasts Locked On MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Fantasy Baseball, hosted by Scott Cullen. We are available on Twitter at... Locked on MLB Pod, and I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Okay, we're going to be positive today because there's some positive things going on, but let me tell you something. There were a lot of grand slams hit between the San Diego Padres and the Texas Rangers, and they all happen to be hit by the Padres. Now, one of them caught everyone's ire because Fernando Tatis Jr. had the gall to swing away and to do what he's paid to do. But the two other ones were, I guess, decidedly less controversial. Will Myers launched a grand slam in the second game. He did that in the, the first inning to put the Padres up front very early. And then in the bottom of the 10th, with the Padres down one run because the Rangers scored a fake run with the ghost runner on second rule, it was Manny Machado. Manny Machado launched one and was a walk-off grand slam to put an exclamation point on these matchups. Now, an interesting thing that was brought up, that first of all, we've had three walk-off grand slams this year. Uh, in 2019, there were three walk-off Grand Slams. And this year, there's also three walk-off Grand Slams in about a month. Now, this is according to A.J. Cavazel on uh, MLB.com that the last team to hit Grand Slams in three straight games were the Chicago White Sox in 2006. And that was a terrific White Sox team. They were the defending World Series champs. And they were a 90-some-odd win team in their defense of the World Series. It just happened to be playing in a division with the Twins and the Tigers. And they didn't make it back to the postseason that year. But they were a really good team. Now, the last National League team to hit a Grand Slam in three consecutive games was Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Cleveland's National League team. The Spiders did it in 1895, okay? 1895. 
I believe, well, no, I was going to say McKinley was president then, but no, I don't think so. I think Grover Cleveland was the president. It was a good time to be Cleveland. The Cleveland Spiders and the president was Grover Cleveland. And the Spiders did it with three straight games against the team that is now currently called the Atlanta Braves. But at the time, they were called the Boston Bean Eaters. Boston Bean Eaters. You know, if the Braves drop the Brave moniker and they go back, they find a new name to have. Um, At one point, the Braves called themselves the Bees, the Atlanta Bees. Would that be something? I don't know. But to go back to an eating form of team name, where there were the Boston Bean Eaters, what would it be in Atlanta? Would it be the Boston... Atlanta Grits Eaters? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Interesting connection between two of the Grand Slams. What do Will Myers and Fernando Tatis have in common? They were both traded for James Shields. Will Myers was a top farmhand for the Royals, and the Royals, in a very controversial trade, traded him to Tampa because they wanted to get a solid veteran pitcher in the middle of their rotation. They sent away uh, Will Myers and Jake Odorizzi, and a lot of people trashed that trade, saying, what the heck are the Royals doing? Will Myers is the future of their team, and he went on to win Rookie of the Year in Tampa Bay, and it looked like an awful trade initially, but Shields gave the Royals a veteran starting pitcher, which they desperately needed when they wound up winning the pennant in 2014, but the real thing in that deal for Kansas City was it brought Wade Davis, who was outstanding for both the pennant-clinching teams in the mid-2010s and was on the mound to clinch the World Series title. Of course, Fernando Tatis was traded in the deal with the Chicago White Sox, which may go down as one of the worst trades in baseball history if Tatis is the player that he appears to be. Manny Machado, of course, hit the home run this evening. It's interesting. I think there's a parallel. There's a parallel between Tatis and Mike Trout along with Pujols and Manny Machado. What am I talking about here? Well, both the Padres and the Angels at one point made a gigantic splash to bring in a superstar free agent to an extraordinarily long contract in a way that caught a lot of people off guard. And Machado signed with the Padres in a similar way that Pujols signed with the Angels. And the interesting thing about both of those superstars coming to try to give a spark to that franchise, when they arrived there, it turned out the spark was already there. The Angels already had a player named Mike Trout who emerged into becoming the best player in baseball. And now you have Fernando Tatis Jr., who looks like, I don't know if he's going to be Mike Trout level, but he is certainly going to be an MVP-level player. And I wonder, just wonder, if the fact that Pujols was there and took a little bit of the pressure and anxiety off of Trout to perform allowed Trout to blossom the way he does. And I wonder if Machado is taking a little bit of that heat off of Tatis Jr. The strange thing is that Fernando Tatis Jr. was acquired from the White Sox and 
everybody in their moose at one point thought that Machado was going to sign with the White Sox when he was a free agent. But that's neither here nor there. The interesting thing is that some of these races are turning kind of interesting in the National League. The San Diego Padres are on a three-game winning streak. The Rockies, who looked red hot a few weeks ago, are in the middle of a three-game losing streak. The Rocks and the Padres are in a virtual tie. Now, Los Angeles lost to Seattle. Hey, my Mariners won a game. But everyone calm down. The Los Angeles Dodgers have a run differential of positive 61. They're 18-8. and eight. They have a four-game lead over Colorado and San Diego. And the Dodgers look like they're saying, hey... Uh, we're owed a World Series title, and if we have to do it in a 60-game season, so be it. Dodgers look very good despite their loss today. Some interesting things have been transpiring, however, as you're starting to see the the Marlins have come back to earth, as I mentioned the other day. They're now at even 500 in the middle of a five-game losing streak. And Philadelphia, the Mets, and Washington are all sub-500 teams at this point in the season, which were roughly 20 games into the season for most teams, which means we're about at one-third of the way through the season. Psychologically, this is right around Memorial Day. But the interesting thing for me, you know, as I'm looking at this, is Atlanta's in first place with a 14-11 record, but everybody's right around there. The defending champs, the Nats, who are 9-12 and at this point, are only one game back in the loss column of first place. In other words, with 40 games to go, roughly 40 games to go, some more, some less, of course the Cardinals have to do major league catch-up here, with about 40 games to go, anybody can win the East. They're all still in it. Yes, even the Marlins. And the Central, you know, the Cubs have come to earth a little bit, but no other team there is above 500. So you've got the Braves and the Cubs are the only teams who have gone through the first third of this gauntlet season with their noses above 500. Meanwhile, every team but San Francisco is above 500 in the West. Arizona, remember them? They contended last year, is above 500. And San Diego is on their win streak. And it looks like the power of the National League has shifted to the West. And in this expanded playoffs, there may be some serious West Coast bias, especially if a team like San Diego can improve their bullpen and the Rocks and the Diamondbacks can shore up a couple of spots here or there, it's that last team in the division, the Giants, who may be picked apart for four parts. It'd be interesting to see if Johnny Cueto becomes a big trade piece. Either way, we're roughly a third of the way through the season, and even some of the teams that are sub-500 it really will be only one or two good weeks to have them leapfrog the rest. If they get a little boost to energy, they may be able to pull that off some of these teams. 
And speaking of boosts of energy, I can use one before I start talking about the America League, and that's why I'm going to grab myself a Built Bar. I've had Built Bars before, but they're now improved. They got an improved Built Bar, new wrappers, new flavors. They're even deliciouser. It's on the copy. You got 18 great flavors, and I've talked about some of them before, especially raspberry chocolate, which is my favorite. German chocolate's great. Some of the mint brownie stuff is terrific, but I can't wait to try some of these new flavors, including caramel brownie, apple almond crisp, lemon almond cheesecake. These are so great. They're soft, easy to chew, covered in 100% chocolate, and they're great for if you're health conscious, trying to maintain weight, trying to lose weight. Let's take a look at one of these new ones that I want to check out. Uh, coconut almond. I love coconut. Love almond. Boom. Got 18 grams protein, 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net carb. That's what you get from Built Bar. You get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. And go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. You know, taking a look at the uh, American League as we're at roughly one-third of the way, Oakland won again, but the Astros, remember how the Astros came stumbling out of the gate and people felt like, oh, well, they're getting their comeuppance and it looks like they're going to lose your Danny, uh, they're going to use uh, uh, Alvarez, sorry, I, I, I stumbled across the name there, and I'm going to add that out, and Justin Verlander's out for the year. Have you noticed that the Astros have won the last week, <laughs> they're on a seven-game winning streak right now. now. The Oakland A's are just, they're so fun to watch, the Oakland A's, and they win games in the bottom of the ninth and, and everything like that, or they have a couple of walk-off grand slams. But those two teams look like they may make these last 40 games interesting, especially since the Astros have found their winning ways. The White Sox and the Indians. Have you noticed them? The White Sox are on a four-game winning streak. Who needs Fernando Tatis Jr.? Well, probably the White Sox. But the White Sox have been getting quality at-bats, and the Indians have been getting great pitching. Even if Plesak and Clevenger are a couple of knuckleheads... Uh, Sivali, is that how you pronounce his name? Through a complete game victory for the Indians. And their five-game winning streak. The Minnesota Twins, who, you know, they're still playing good solid ball. They lost the other day, but they've won six of their last ten. They're 16-9. and nine, And suddenly, they're only a half game ahead of the Cleveland Indians. So this could be the way that the National League West is an absolute traffic jam, you could see the AL Central becoming that as well. Now, I think the single most interesting aspect of any part of this you know, short truncated season is the fact that the New York Yankees are an absolute steamroller. They just clobber everyone they come in contact with. They've played seven games against the Red Sox, won all seven. They played two games against Baltimore, won them both. Two games against Atlanta, won them both. Three games against Washington, won two out of three. Everybody, they're clobbering. Okay, they, they split the games with Philadelphia, but that's unbelievable how they just have manhandled everybody except Tampa Bay. 
They have played six games against Tampa Bay and have lost five of them. Tampa has their number, and now Tampa is only a half game behind the Yankees. I mean, that to me is in some ways absolutely mind-boggling, that as incredibly strong as the Yankees have been, and they have looked, I mean, their bullpen has been fantastic. Garrett Cole has been a terrific contributor. He pitched very well against Tampa the other night. Uh, Tanaka has had... Uh, you know, Tanaka's had some ups and downs in some of his starts, but he, you know, for the most part, he's been, you know, he's been solid. And at this point, though, the Rays could overtake the Yankees. And, you know, we could go into this next stretch of the season and they're playing... This morning, Curtis versus Paxton. Paxton has been bad. Curtis, number 84, has pitched well, but you know, the Rays mix and match and everything like that. At this time tomorrow, the Yankees, who have looked like a team on a mission, could fall to second place in their own division. And if those two teams play each other in the playoffs, I'm still not 100% sure how the postseason is going to work this year. But Tampa Bay could be the single most scary team for anybody to match up with in the postseason. Remember, they almost beat Houston last year. They came dang close. It's going to be really hard to tell what anything means when you have a 60-game season. You know, the Indians pitching could, you know, leapfrog everyone. The A's magic that they're having, or it just could be Houston once again, trash can free. Minnesota could club their way. I think Nelson Cruz hit two home runs during this podcast. But everything on paper and in theory is pointing to the Yankees this year. And of all teams, Tampa Bay could be the one that says, no, no, this whole Yankees not making it to the World Series last decade... Let's keep it going into this decade, too. So guess what? We've played a third of the season. And some of the teams are starting to fall off. And we're going to have a trade deadline. And it sure looks like teams like the Red Sox, teams like the Pirates, teams like the you know the Mariners and the Giants could be picked apart for parts. But, you know, how good are their parts if these are teams that couldn't get their nose above water after 20 games? So anyway, we're going to go into a, another fun full day. It's a Thursday. We've got some day games going on here. We've got a couple of doubleheaders. And um, you're going to see the A's and the Diamondbacks, an interesting matchup. And Denelson Lament is going to be pitching for the Padres. And I predict he's going to throw the first no-hitter in the history of the San Diego Padres. Clayton Kershaw is on the mound again. And the Red Sox and the Orioles are going to play. And an interesting thing about that game, technically, one of those teams are going to win that game. So, let's go see what's going to happen in another day of baseball. Follow us on the free and easy to use Himalaya podcasting app and all the apps that you can listen to this podcast. This is Locked on MLB for the 20th day of August 2020. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.
your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.